not great. I understand that fans want people, you know, they, they want to see exciting winning baseball. Sure. Um, you know, us as competitors, you know, players, staff, myself, everyone included, you you don't like to hear it, but at the same time, um, fans, you know, we appreciate when they're voicing their frustration when it is, you know, um, when it is deserved. So uh, hopefully tomorrow it's the exact opposite. Hopefully being the operative word. Hope is really all you have left. <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays, it's Blair Barker. We're in crisis mode today. Are we really? Not really. The uh, Blue Jays, what have they been outscored? I did the math yesterday. It all runs together. A, a lot to a little. A, a lot there to a go. little. 26 to 7 through the first uh, the first three games of the series against the Texas Rangers. Does the that matter? The series wraps up tonight. No, it doesn't. They lost well, three games doesn't in a really row. That, does it matter that they lost three in a row? Uh, yeah. Does it matter how they lost? No. Well, at this point of the year, it doesn't matter. It's all about winning. They don't ask how if they lose ten or nothing. Yeah, ten a ten nothing loss is the same as they a lost. two one loss or a three one loss. It's the same issue they've had for one four months now. Now I have a cleanup hitter. Yeah. The uh, wild card standings. Well, they do now. They have David Schneider. The wild card standings. Get those out of the way. <laughs> Why do you do that? Two minutes into the show, I got to give the wild card standings Holy to kind of to. Kind of uh, reset the, things. Yeah, yeah. To reset things. Yeah, you're really the setting the 80, mood. Stop it. The Jays are 80 and 66. They're game out. <laughs> Thanks. It's not the worst place to be. You it's could be the Boston Red Sox. You could be the Yankees. And on the other hand, you could be Tampa Bay. But anyhow, they're a game out. Seattle's 81 and 65. A game ahead of the Jays in the win column. And obviously one less loss than the Jays. The Texas Rangers, they've won five in a row. They're 81 and 64 in Tampa Bay. They're done and dusted. They've, uh, they're 73 in their last 10. They're 90 and 57. And uh, they're in Baltimore tonight. Oh, that's good. Four games. Four games. How about that? Four games. And uh, they are, what are they? How many games behind the, uh, the plucky, behind my Orioles are? They're two back of my Orioles. So it's actually. Not I can, after the four games, they won't be. I, I can win either way because it's my Orioles and my race. So you have to I, pick I can one. Win every, I'm not picking one. Uh, they're, they're, I got, there's two. Can't have both. I'm taking both. I'm taking both the, uh, Orioles and the Rays. They're my teams. I'll give you Minnesota. And um, you know how much that hurts me? Cause I grew, I'm, I'm I grew good. up a Twinkies fan. I uh, still got my Rod Carew. Actually, I took that down cause he was such an ass to me when I met him. <laughs> I took down my Rod Carew poster. Who has it been? Oh, you're so easy to do uh, that too. You really are. Well, like, let's it's see. Easy. Who were the guys? See? Who who were the guys? Who, who were the guys heads, yes. Who were the guys that were my favorite <laughs> players I met? Who were knobs? <laughs> Bob Gibson basically told me to bugger off. Yeah, uh, I wish I could do that. Rod sometimes. Carew, you guys did. Yeah, yeah. Rod Carew looked at me and said, "I don't do autographs on the field." He I said, said that "I'm to not me. asking for an he autograph." He said that to me. I and said, he was I, my hidden coach." I said, "I'm not getting an autograph. I just wanted to introduce myself." <laughs> Here, sign Ass. this. I don't sign it for my um, players. <laughs> yeah. You know who was I don't like your swing anyway. <laughs> That's what I said to him. That's the worst swing I've ever seen. <laughs> how many how many homers did you hit in the big leagues? Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. the mayor of Back Lake City. You're just yeah. a, you're just a Hall that's of Fame. So that's a pretty uh yeah, pretty that, that's uh you know, <laughs> it's pretty good. You know, that that's kind of kind of the way it is. Johnny Bench, I like Johnny Bench was nice. Yeah, he's a knob. Yeah, he was. A, he was a knob to me. You know what? The, oh, you're that guy with the long swing. That's how he introduced we gotta himself. We got to talk yeah, about nice the Jason. You but you know, over here and 
stab yeah. myself in the neck. You know what was <laughs> the most? You know what was yeah. the most That's amazing what? thing? What? The most amazing thing yeah. I had happened to me <laughs> is Ken Singleton was a teammate of Eddie Murray's. Now Eddie Murray was famous for just not talking to the media. Um, and I was for a, it was a spring training game with the Expos and Singleton and I were on the field talking and Eddie Murray comes up, uh, Ken and I like literally turn around and I'm starting to walk away. And, uh, Ken said, no, no, Jeff, this is Eddie Murray. I mean, Eddie Murray was great. Mm. It was just great. Mm -hmm. Including me in the conversation. All that was pretty, uh, pretty good. But yeah, anyhow, how do we get in that topic? Oh, because my Orioles, my Rays, and uh, my Twins. I'm claiming, basically, I'm claiming, I'm claiming the entire American League. Hey, good news for the Blue Jays today. Good news for the Blue Jays, all kidding aside. At least I think it's good news. Matt Chapman has been activated. Nathan Lucas has been optioned. So your Jays yeah. lineup is as follows. Hmm. George Springer leading off in DHing. Bo Bichette's at short. Vladdy's at first. Davis Schneider is cleaning up at second. Kevin Biggio's in right, Chapman at third, Merrifield in left, Alejandro Kirk behind the plate, Kevin Kiermeyer in center field. Winner. It's, it's uh, Kevin Gossman and Nate Uvalde. Be a great pitching match. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think you're getting from Chapman? Hadn't played 15 days when he left. He was nine for his last 52, hitting a buck 73. Hadn't played in 15 games. But, you know. Like, I, yeah, there ain't I, no I don't bump, know, but I'm. No, I, it's. it's you know, rhythm and timing's a giant deal in the in, yes. in the big leagues, well, especially now right how now. hard they're throwing. Yeah, he doesn't have that many moving parts. He don't like the elevated fastball too. So it's going to be interesting to see how that's looking. I mean, maybe he'll hit the ground running, but well, let's let's see. Let's see how the finger is when it comes to throwing too. That that's well, it better be a hundred percent if they're playing him at third. Well, you I mean, let's not lie about it. Like this time of the year, you just don't put a dude out there to be putting him out there. If he's not 100% and can't help your team win well, on both sides of the ball, you don't throw him out there. I, I would agree with you, except this is, you know, this is panic stations for so the So you Blue put Jays. a hurt dude at third that can throw a ball in the stands? Yeah. If he can, okay, if, he, if, if he can, uh, if, if he can enjoy the booing, if he can give me a little, <laughs> if he can give me a little, little offense, I do that. I guess. We talked Fingers about crossed. this. We talked about this in Blue Jays talk last night, and you know, last night was the night that uh, I mentioned this. Um, last night was the first night I can remember in the Bo Vladdy era where the Jays were booed off the field, and, and not just off the field; they were booed at bat from at bat to at bat. Basically, the second at bat of the game on, uh, Vladdy heard boos, Bo less so, but um, towards the end of the game. Uh, I mean, it just, I don't know if it became a boo fest. I don't know if there's such a word. But it's far and away the lowest point of the Bo slash Vladdy era. You know, the loss to Seattle, I, I made this point on Blue Jays. The loss to Seattle in the playoffs last year was just frightening in terms of how fast it came apart. And that happens. Shouldn't happen, but it happens. There was a lot of baseball that broke out in that game. You know, Springer colliding, all, all that stuff. That was a difficult loss, obviously. But I, I think this is the lowest point of the Bo Vladdy era. So I want to ask you this, Kevin, because we talked about this in Blue Jays talk. There's only one guy in this lineup right now that scares me if I'm an opposing team. Well, 
Davis Schneider is hitting, leaving aside Davis Schneider because as good as he is, and Davis Schneider doesn't scare other teams. They don't, they don't know who he is. George Springer's the one guy in this lineup right now that looks to me. He's a name. And he's a name, but it also looks to me like something might happen when he came up the plate. So I made this point. You've put Springer in the middle of the order before. One of the issues with Vladdy, and this is what we've heard from people close to Vladdy. <laughs> One mm. of the issues is he's got no protection. Now, we can get into this debate about protection, what it is, what it isn't. I've always thought protection is the dude in front of you. The fact of the matter is if... You've always thought that? Yeah. The fact of the matter is if the guy who is... The best protection is having a guy on base. That's the best protection for me. If I got a guy in first or second base, that's protection. Anyhow, the the point is, you know, Vladdy's talked about this. Um, and if it's in his head, I, I think it's a thing. And you're doing everything. I mean, you're running out guys who aren't 100% to win games. I mean, you're... If you're John Schneider, you're 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 basically doing whatever you can right now to get this team into the playoffs, hoping that once you're in the playoffs, there's a reset. The pitching's so good, it takes over, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why George Springer. I don't know why this team doesn't hit George Springer in the middle of the year. I mean, I go Merrifield, Bichette, Guerrero, Springer, or you know, whatever. If you want to have Davis Schneider hitting second and Bo leading off, whatever the hell it is, but I would move George Springer down. To the middle of the order. Now I'm trying to do. I'm trying to think of things here that could help because all we've done for the last week is bitch about this team, <laughs> and it is what it is. You know, it's it's not a good look right now. I look in that dugout, right, and I see guys who are disappointed. Mm-hmm. I see guys who are frustrated. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're. I'm sure to fans. Fans are looking in. Well, look, we do Blue Jays talk. Fans call up and say, "Well, you know, this team's quitting." Then this team hasn't quit. Um, trust me. Well, there's two things. First of all, I've never been a professional athlete, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think I know enough professional athletes to know that very few of them quit. Pride is still a factor for a lot of guys. Secondly, I have teams that I have, I have seen teams that I have thought quit. I have seen Blue Jays teams that I have thought quit. I have seen Blue Jays teams with one of their big personalities, big name players, a guy that everybody in this city loves. I've seen him spend the final month of the season not talking to his teammates, basically hidden in his locker playing FIFA. Hmm. So I've seen teams that I think have pulled the shoot. I've seen players that I think have pulled the shoot. I don't see that with this team. I, I I just see a team that's really frustrated, really disappointed. And Kevin, I got to tell you, I see a team that maybe thinks, and this kind of scares me because Dan Schulman referred to this last night. I see a team that maybe thinks it's not that good and is sitting there mm. trying to... Trust the process, process is not working. Yeah. I, I, that for me is what this looks like, right? It's I know for a fact yeah. I've seen it. They, they haven't quit. Like the... The guys that you see every, play every single day, they're doing whatever it takes to try right. and make themselves the best player they can possibly be. It, the, it's For me, what you're seeing consistently is whenever 
You've tried every single thing, the process that they always talk about, right? Yeah. Uh, projections. If you do the process, the projections at the end of the season will be there. It just seems to my, me like the process, for whatever reason, has not worked. And they're sort of at their end of trying everything possible to be the best that they can possibly be to make a decent run at this thing and give them, themselves Look, a chance. I've been there. I know what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like. A guy that's tried every single thing that mm-hmm. they can try, right? Whatever it is that you you didn't used to do, now you're doing other things. Like, right, it's sort of that Vladdy thing. He hits in the cage all the time. He's hitting on the field. It's sort of like that last resort thing. We've seen him do it before, but it's rare. And you're that time of the year where yeah. you're going to go outside the box and do things. And I and I want to I want to say this as well. I'm not saying that you can't boo guys. I mean, I'm not going down that road. Um, you bought a ticket. Do what you want. You do what you want. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I'm sure there are there are people who will say, "Well, you know, it really doesn't." You know, if you buy a ticket and you want to boo, you go ahead and boo. Yeah. Um, hey, I've done that as a fan. You trust boo? me? Oh hell yeah, I boo. And I mean, yeah. God, I used to go to when I was at Winnipeg Jets. You know, I would I'd throw stuff. I threw stuff in the ice a couple of times. I got so upset. It's back when I was young and silly. Mm. It was like forty years ago mm. um, when I was young and silly. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, I boo away, boo away. But I think we need to we need to be careful that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Mm. And when you're talking about Vladdy and Bo in particular, oh look, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna stick up for them. They don't need me to stick up for them. They probably don't want me to stick up for them. But um, those two dudes are going to be the part of the answer next year. Part of the answer to what's wrong with this team is going to be provided by those two dudes. So. As I look at the rest of this year, clearly making the playoffs is the most important thing. But I also, I, I and I've given up. I've just I've given up thinking Vladdy's going to carry this team. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. But man, I do want to see those guys, if not go on a roll, I want to see them finish a little stronger because that that is my concern. Is Bo is under contract here for another couple of years. Mm-hmm. Vladdy, we know, doesn't have a long-term contract here. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that there's been very little progress made. We're led to believe very little progress made in negotiations with this team for a multi-year contract for Vladdy over the, since he's been here. And we're almost at the point now where, let's face it, there's a couple of years left before free agency. I don't know why Vladdy would sign here long-term. I don't know, frankly, why the Jays would want him to sign here long term. Mm-hmm. Not yet, based on what we've seen this year. But I, I'm just throwing this out there that um, got to keep that in mind. That barring something unforeseen, those two dudes are ha- going to have to be part of the answer going yeah. forward. Yeah, but I do want to see, you, you would like to see a lineup compete. Forget about the approaches. I think you're past that, right? Some guys can't go up and look fast, but we said this. Like some guys right now this time of the year consistently is just not going to hit velocity and hit the fastball. They have to look for different things. Me, now it's about competing. Be a tough out. You be a tough out because you have talent. At least you'll give yourself a chance. I I think if you're a fan of the Blue Jays, that's what you want to see from them. Compete. Be a tough out. 
because you have talent, at least you'll give yourself a chance. And sometimes we don't see that consistently. That, I think, is the little bit of a frustrating part of the whole season offensively is not all the time. You can forget about just always having a great plan. Players don't always have that. They're human beings. It's just not possible to do that. But it's okay. It's You can compete. You can yeah. be a tough out. You can have a good two-strike approach. You can, when you commit early in counts, it's for a reason. Like, it's the right pitch. Like, that's a smart at bat. That's competing. You can see that one through nine the next 16 games. At least give yourself a chance to help out a pitching staff and help out your manager and your pitching coach and your hitting coach. And I think that, for me, is the frustrating part consistently. You just don't see that. You see a bunch of easy outs. Like, that's... The part of it, sometimes I think you talk about the process. It needs to be adjusted a little. Uh, with the win tonight, the Rangers can sweep the Blue Jays for in a four-game series for the first time since July 1993. Uh, with the win tonight, be the first time that the Rangers won six straight against Toronto since 2005. Um, the Rangers currently are in second place in the AL West. They're a game back of first place Houston. David Murphy is the Texas Rangers analyst. He's also, of course, a former Rangers outfielder. Yeah. He joins us on Blair and Barker. David, thanks so much for taking time out for talking to, uh, to, to speak to us today. Uh, this, I would imagine, is the Texas Rangers team you guys were seeing when they spent, what, 111 games or 111 days in first place this year yeah it was it's been a weird year uh the first three or four months were were pretty seamless and easy uh, and then we get to what early august or so josh young goes down with an injury i want to say it was august 6th or so uh jonah heim was banged up Nate Valdi went down so there was definitely some injuries and then uh, we start to see some of these guys regress a little bit. Adolis Garcia wasn't performing up to expectations. And then, you know, he got injured last week. Um, so it's Rangers have kind of been through it lately, but now the Blue Jays are kind of experiencing what the Rangers have gone through in the last few weeks. How do you think you can flip the switch offensively? Is it that easy, right? That, you know, you spend a couple of, 10 or 12 games where it's just not working, whatever the case, something's not clicking the way it's supposed to be clicking. And then all of a sudden you're hitting every mistake. How do they do that? How does it start? Yeah, that's such a bit. That's why baseball is just such a beautiful game. And there's no there. If, if I had to answer, if a lot of people had mm. had an answer, they would be working in a front office or on a coaching staff. Mm. Um, Cause there's so many different variables to it. Because uh, a lot of times you can say, oh, you know, you're you're running into some good pitching. It's the big leagues. You're running into good pitching every single night, and you have to hit good pitching to win. Or you could uh, you could question the talent. But you know, we're looking at the top of the Blue Jays lineup, and we're seeing Springer and Bichette and Guerrero. There's obviously no shortage of of talent there. So I just think, you know, fortunately for the Rangers, they hit a lull in the schedule where. You know, they, they lost the first one to Oakland over the weekend. We're starting to think, oh, man, you know, this, this could be tough. And then they win the next two, and I guess they were able to use that as a springboard to, to really get going. And unfortunately for the Blue Jays, they're running into the Rangers at the wrong time because this is a talented offense that uh, has been asleep for a few weeks, and uh, maybe maybe Oakland – 
finally poked the bear and the bear woke mm. up. Yep. Well, and I was going to say uh, the beautiful thing about this for the Rangers is when you get out to leads like this, you you, you kind of remove a lot of the pressure from the bullpen, which has been uh, which has been a weak spot for this team through much of the year. Hey, we've spent a lot of this series singing the praises of Corey Seager because we're, we're so intelligent. We can see things nobody else can see <laughs> with Corey Seager. Uh, I, but I also want to ask you about Jonah Heim because now, here's a guy who's got seven RBI in this series. Uh, he had five RBI in the game Monday when he hit, a, he hit his third career Grand Slam. He came into this series... Uh, not on a roll. I don't, let's just put it that way. Now, I understand he was coming off the IL, but I, I'm wondering, uh, David, as a guy who's played this game, is it more difficult for a dude who is a switch hitter to get back on his footing coming off the IL than, you know, somebody who's bats from just one side? And I, I, I'm wondering if maybe that's something we're seeing now with Jonah Heim. Is it it's just, it's, it's all coming together. Yeah. Well, so he went down with a wrist injury. I don't remember exactly when that was, but when he came back, there was talk that he may need surgery in the off season. Um, and there, there was talk that he was only going to hit left-handed mm. even when he faced le- left-handed pitching. And so that's actually what we saw for a little while. And sure enough, out of nowhere, he starts hitting right-handed again. And, you know, we see the grand slam the other night. We see some, some good at bats lately. So, you know, it's almost like, uh, I don't want to say it's the same thing. This is, this is kind of like a, a hard way, a hard comparison, but you know, it's almost difficult say when you're on a, you, you get to say you're on a 13, 14, 15 game hitting streak and the ball looks big and everything's going well. You almost put your put pressure on yourself as a hitter. You're like, man, how do I keep that going? Or at least that's that's what I did, and maybe that's why I was uh, I was an okay player at times, and I wasn't a great player. Maybe the great ones think differently. But I was just like, man, how do I harness what's going on here, and I keep this rolling? And then maybe you roll into Seattle back in the day, uh, and you run into Felix, or you go to Detroit and you run into Verlander, and then that kind of gets you out of your rhythm a little bit. Well, uh, it's when when you're when you're struggling and you're continually batting it, battling and working every day when you're you know one for twenty five whatever it is once you have that game where you click and you go two for four or you go three for five and then you do it again the next day I feel like that just really catapults you forward and uh, you know once again at the Blue Jays' expense we, we've seen it we've seen Jonah Heim that's just been a little bit different here um, you know he's got a lot of movement he's got a big old leg kick so there's probably a lot of different things that could go wrong on that swing and he is always on the fastball and for whatever reason he found his timing he found that leg kick right he's been squaring up baseballs left and right David David 2015 the Blue Jays first time through the order you could get them out right it was you didn't have to make a perfect pitch to get them second time through you you better locate you better add and subtract those kind of things the range is sort of a little bit like that last couple days you noticed the Blue Jays rotation, they could work through them the first time through. Second time through, it's a little tougher, right? The For whatever reason, is is that veteran leadership? Is that good game planning? Is that something you've seen from this lineup all season? What is it that makes them better second time through? 
Yeah, I think, well, you've you've got your best two hitters at the top, Simeon and Seager. Those guys are going to be on anybody. And Seager has, I mean, the quality of his at-bats throughout the course of the season to me have been ridiculous because even when he's, you know, going one for four, two of those hits are leaving the bat at 105 miles an hour, two, two of the, you know, the exit velocities, even though they don't end up as hits. So I've, I've never seen a hitter that squares up baseball so much, whether it's a righty, lefty, early in the game, late in the game. Um, so he's just, he's special. And then, uh, you know, look at last night, you get a guy like Robbie Grossman, who he's not a prototypical three hole guy. And, you know, if, if the Rangers go to the playoffs, you, you're probably guessing that this guy's not going to be in the three hole, but you never know the way that things have been working lately. He's a guy that really works counts. Well, Mitch Garver does the same thing. We talked about Jonah Heim. Nathaniel Lowe is a guy, it's a, he's a power hitting first baseman. And he will just, the way that he grinds out at bats, and he will just go foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball. He'll have these eight and nine pitch at bats. He's got power to the opposite field. Uh, you know, even though he's had trouble hitting the fastballs on the pull side, um, this is a guy, he's a grinder and he's a good hitter. So I think, I think what you see when this lineup is successful is you see a balanced offensive approach. You're seeing guys at the bottom be productive. One of the reasons they were so successful early on in the season is Ezekiel Duran was hitting eighth and Leody Tavares was hitting ninth. Both of those guys were hovering around 300. The OPS was, was around 800 for both of those guys. And now you see Evan Carter there. He's called up. He's having some, some early success. So he's setting the table for those guys. And I guess, you know, Donnie Ecker, he, he's the uh, offensive coordinator. And, you know, I, I talk to him every now and then when I'm at the ballpark just about the way that he plans games. And a lot of times the pitcher that they're going up against, like you, you see the results and you see what he's talking about. So, you know, I'm not there in Toronto. I don't know what those exact game plans are. Um, but they seem like they sell out to the approach that's put forth each night, and that's probably why you see the adjustments through the lineup. David, uh, we know, of course, that Max Scherzer uh, will be done for the rest of the year, likely the playoffs as well. Jacob deGrom uh, injured earlier. Where would this team be without Nathan Uvalde? And, and I'm wondering, when I look at what Nathan Uvalde has done in the past in the postseason, I almost think that he might be, you know, other than Simeon and Seeger, I think he might be the most important guy on this team if they do make the playoffs because he'll basically do anything for you. He started and relieved, as you well know. He started and relieved in, in, in World Series games. Yeah, definitely. He was a World Series hero for the Red Sox back in 18. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a valuable piece, and, and he's still kind of inching his way back in uh, with baby steps just to, to get back. You know, he went a few innings the first, the first time back out and that was probably premature. It was against Houston. Mm -hmm. They were on fire. That was a big ask. Uh, so, you know, now that the two big guns are down and DeGrom and Scherzer, uh, Jordan Montgomery was a huge pickup. You guys saw that last Mm -hmm. night. Um, you know, and, and he'll be huge in the postseason. Uh, you know, from from there, I don't know what exactly they're they're going to do, but Native Aldi is going to be. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a, a great comment because you know, power pitching and and guys with quality stuff they win in the postseason. And uh, you know, Martin Perez could go out and dazzle you. Um, you know. Uh, Dane Dunning could do the same thing. We've, we've seen different guys step up in the postseason over the years. 
Uh, but a lot of times power pitching wins and, uh, you know, Nate Evaldi is probably, he, he fits that description more than any of the guys uh, on the Rangers staff. David, really good of you mm-hmm. to join us today. Thanks so much. Terrific insight. Yep. Thank you. Be well. Yep. Love, love, love talking baseball, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. Take care. It's David Murphy, Texas Rangers analyst, former Rangers outfielder. Yeah, Nate Uvalde. Look, I talked about this. And, and Ross Atkins has done a nice job with this pitching staff, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, man, I was looking at Nate Uvalde in the offseason, and I'm thinking he's – he he's a little like Pedro Martinez was. Think of some, what think of the way Pedro Martinez that that postseason game against Cleveland years ago, where Pedro could barely lift his arm, he was so sore, mm-hmm. and he threw sidearm just to, to just to get the Red Sox just to get the Red Sox through that game. I look at Uvalde as the same the same way. Like that. That, to me, is a perfect guy to have on a postseason team because he's a horse, and he will literally give you every last ounce. Yeah, look, I think he's got a lot of traffic on his arm. I think the rotation for the Blue Jays has some guys there who has some traffic. Like, they're Mm -hmm. getting up there in age, and they pitched a lot. And can you have that amount of dudes in your rotation and still be really, really good? Who knows? Look, I think you look fastball. It's real simple. Yeah. You can't hit the secondary stuff anyway. Why look for it? Alex Anthopoulos is general manager. He's got a, some sort of title, vice president, whatever, general manager of the Atlanta Braves. Hey, the Braves have won their sixth consecutive NL East title. Alex Anthopoulos joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven oh seven will be the first pitch tonight on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan at Sportsnet as the Jays take on the Texas Rangers in the fourth and final game of this series. The Rangers have won the first three. Jays are currently out of the playoff spot, and after tonight's game, they're back in the AL East, where they generally don't win. So, um, <laughs> well, they haven't this year. Let, let's be clear. They struggle. They struggled. Yeah, uh, we'll get the Boston Red Sox in here. Oh, look at it this way. You got nowhere to go but up. That's true. The Red Sox uh, playing a doubleheader today. Of course, earlier today, the Red Sox fired uh, Heim Bloom and uh, will be joined by Jeff Passan at the top of the hour to uh, to discuss that. Uh, Jeff had some pretty pointed comments. Predictable, though. Yeah, I'm not certain it's it's the justified, but predictable. Mm-hmm. Um that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, what is also predictable is the Atlanta Braves winning oh, division titles. Good one, Jeff. Yeah, I was thinking about <laughs> that for the last five minutes. It's a habit, it, for sure. It is a habit. It is. Uh, the Atlanta Braves have won the National League East. Alex Anthopoulos is president of baseball operations and general manager of the Atlanta Braves. He joins us on Blur and Barker. Alex, uh, for the sixth consecutive year, congratulations. <laughs> um, well, you... I, yeah, I think I can say that for you the can't six, say that for the sixth consecutive yeah, year. It's true. Uh, congratulations! Hey, you know every every good team has a narrative, and I understand that obviously your season isn't over yet. You've got the playoffs, and 
I understand the ultimate goal for this team, obviously, would be to win the World Series. But to this point, Alex, if I asked you to give me the title of a book on the 2023 Atlanta Braves, what would that be? Well, great question. Um, You know, I'm trying to think of what's coming to mind. I would say, because it's a regular season right now, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen to the postseason. I would say record-setting season. I don't say that in an arrogant way. I say it because there's just a lot of firsts that have happened. From you know, And, look, I'm proud of it because the Braves have been so good for so long as an organization and um, so much success in Hall of Famers. But just the things that I know that, that hadn't been done before, uh, the most all-stars they've ever had in Atlanta Braves. They had eight and a lot of starters, but they've never had, you know, they've never had eight all-stars before, so that's big. Um, Matt Olson is one home run away from breaking uh, the home run rep record for the Braves. Andrew Jones had 51 home runs. He's one home run away. Um, the win totals, the largest win total, I think, is 106. The 1998 Braves, we've got a shot at it, and we're not there yet. Um and then obviously Acuna, what he's done as well. But look, there's been a lot of like really great stories, cool stories. So it's been fun. It's um, you know the big thing for me is of course you want to win and you want to win a World Series and have a good team. But it's a big deal for me for the team to be a likable team. I just think it's you know I know it's corny, but I think it's part of this job. Like not just winning at all costs, but having a group that the city, the community connects with, that they like, that they embrace, they want to be here. I saw it in Toronto in 2015 when I'd walk my kids to the school and how people fell in love with the team and you saw it through the TV and the energy and so on. And I feel like we have the same group here. It doesn't guarantee we're going to win the World Series, but I'm proud of that fact that it's, a, it's really a good, cohesive group. Now, this is the second earliest clinch date uh, for the Atlanta Braves, the 95 club. I think one on September 13th as well. Uh, the 2002 team, I remember that clinched on September 9th, which seems obscenely early. But what does that what does that do for for the Braves in terms of setting them up for the playoffs, Alex? Because it would seem to me that now, look, you've got two or three weeks to to get to get your your ducks lined up, right? Yeah, which is you know, there's a, there's definitely benefits to that. You know, in 2018, my first year. I feel like we clinched with maybe 10 days to go, and we had a little bit of time. 2019, I felt the same way, and we had a little bit of time. We had a you know, week to 10 days, and it gave us a little bit of time to line things up. The fact that we have two weeks now, we can really start playing around with the rotation and the bullpen. But, look, we still have things to play for. Um, you know, and I guess I, you know, we talk about things that, you know, that had been done. You know, another thing I forgot about was we had a chance to set the – I know we've set the NL home run – Red record by a team was that a chance to the 2019 Twins, I believe, at 306 or 307 home runs. So we got a chance to pass that as well. So we have things to play for still. Home field advantage. I think we're up on LA by six or seven games in the loss column. So that's a real thing for us. Our home field is a real advantage for us. And the Orioles, for you know, if you were if we were able to get to the World Series, you'd love to get home field there. So. There's still things to play for. I was talking to our manager about it last night. Um, but, look, we're going to, where we can, we'll give guys an extra day rest in the ro- in the rotation. We'll make sure to be careful with some of the relievers. But, you know, you don't want to lose your edge at the same time. But, you know, and look, completely from a selfish standpoint, because the last few years we've been playing down to the wire, and it's like 
all right, win the division, and bam, we're jumping right into the postseason and planning. You know, we have a little bit of time. We have an off day today. We have a little bit of time to try. You rarely get to enjoy a lot in this game. You're always upset. You know, things aren't going well. You're, we don't enjoy the good moments. We really harp on the things that, that don't go well. You know, I think it's nice that we have a you know a week or two weeks to try to enjoy the fact that we won this division with really good teams, and we all should be proud of that. But I think the main thing will be playing with our rotation a little bit and getting guys rest. And Alex, you will have some time off when the season's over between, you know, when you're starting to get it going and geared up again. Any worried about a, a team, a lineup that hits as many home runs as the Braves do? You know, I'm a believer um, that – um, you got a bang in the postseason. Yeah. You know, that's a fine way to put it. Yeah. I think you need power. I think it's, you know, I, I, I realized it. You know, again, you would think it's pretty self-explanatory. Who doesn't like home runs and power? And, look, that doesn't mean all or nothing home runs and then you're hitting 180 with a ton of swing and miss. So I'm not saying that. But, you know, my first year here, 2018, obviously those those Toronto teams, we had power up and down the lineup. But, um my first year, 2018, we faced L.A., and we had no shot power-wise. We had, we had a good team. We won division, won 90 games, but, you know, they just slug-wise, it wasn't close. And we made a conscious effort after 18 to have power in the lineup going forward, and I'm a big believer in it. And um, it's hard in the postseason to string together three hits. And, look, of course, you'd like contact. You'd rather put the ball in play, of course. But if you're banking on getting three, three base hits in a row – I'd say good luck to you, you know, and um, you're facing the best relievers every day. They're getting days off, you, you know, no one's down. You're facing the top starters and they're going short because they're going right to the bull, bullpen and you need to rely on someone making a mistake to hang a pitch and so on. Again, it doesn't mean I'm right. It's just what I personally believe in it. And uh, I'm a power guy when it comes to the playoffs. So, you know, I made a note at five in the morning the night we won the world series. And I wanted to remember the things I felt were very important, uh, having a team that can win in the postseason and so on. And that was something I, I wrote to myself, that the importance of power. you know. But, look, there's plenty of examples. The Kansas City Royals, the Chicago White Sox, yeah. um, that have done it without. But um, it's kind of it's what's worked for us, and I, I believe in it. Alex, we're seeing more 30-30 guys. And I want to ask I don't want to ask you so much about the home runs cuz you know you got power and you got good mechanics and you can sit pitches occasionally if you're hitting the middle of the order, you're going to hit some home runs. I do want to ask about the stolen base. Obviously, you know, your leadoff hitter is stealing them like nobody's business, but there is a, a couple of other 30-30 guys. How should fans cuz I'm interested in your thoughts. You always have great answers about these inside things that that sometimes we try and ask on this show it is the stolen base and i'm not sure how i feel about it because obviously they're closer together and because of the new rules and how many times you can't throw over and those kind of things if you're if a fan walked up to you and asked you about the stolen base what would you say about it i mean i think it's exciting i think it's always been exciting i mean you gotta remember i grew up you know jeff knows this I grew up in Montreal watching the line of the shields and Marquise Grissom and those guys running like crazy and stolen bases. And I love speed. There's nothing like hitting a ball in the gap and seeing a guy fly around the bases and the ability to steal bases, athleticism and so on. Look, I think the fact that the bases are a little bit larger, I don't think that's really a, a big deal. I do think the fact that you can only throw over twice. I mean, look, you can throw over a third time, but you got to get the runner. Um, 
but there's ways to negate that, right? You can you can do all kinds of things. I, look, the, the, the stolen base vanished in a lot of ways. People weren't running as much. People don't want to make outs on the bases, and it's an exciting part of the, the game. Even though Acuna's stolen base totals are really high, you don't have a ton of players that are up there where he is at 60-plus stolen bases. No. You know, you still – you know, Trey Turner to me is an elite base stealer. He hasn't been caught stealing yet. I think he's got 27, and that guy can fly. We've seen him in the NL East for years. So I, I think the thought is that, oh, it's so easy to steal bases and everyone's going to steal bases. I don't necessarily think you're seeing that happen all the time, and I certainly don't feel like all these guys throw over twice and then the guy steals. It, I think there's plenty of times where I wonder, are we throwing over enough as, as a team? Are we doing it enough? I think what's going to happen now is the emphasis will now be on having guys back there who can throw. We got away from that. Starting in scouting early on, you used to care about the guys aren't behind the plate. You kind of got away from it for the last 10 years because no one stole. So you're like, well, I don't really need to care about arm strength. I want blocking. I want it framing. I want game calling. And the arm strength was almost last on the list, even though every scout would tell you the, the opposite. But that's just the way the game was going. You know, I pay attention a lot more now how quick guys are to the plate. I think we kind of we ignored it, right? Guys have a big leg lift, and we didn't care. No one ran. It's a big deal now. I look at our player development reports, and I want to see what their times to the plate are. I think that tells you about athleticism and so on. And I think, you know, eventually we're going to start valuing the little things that were valued 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So I think this is the first year. Um, but I think overall I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the way things have gone with the rule, with the rule changes across the board. Mm. Alex, when I when I look at this team, yeah, obviously you know the stories uh, Acuna and 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 Matt Olson and and Austin Riley and but you know I look at this team. You've gotten a bounce back year from Marcelo Zuna, Ozuna, and I'm looking at Bryce Elder. And as you were talking, you know, I'm, I'm going through Bryce Elder's day to day, and I mean he's a guy. Look, I mean you've had some some injuries to the pitching staff. He's a guy who's been really important for your team, hasn't he? And, and it, it seems as if he had a bit of a wobble early in August. And, you know, I don't know if people were wondering if, okay, is a bloom off the rose, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it appears as if it, it just, he righted the ship. And, you know, I'm looking seven innings, one hit, no runs. Uh, six innings, five hit, one run. Seven innings, four hit, one run. Uh, what happened to kind of, allow Bryce Elder to stabilize? And also, tell us a little bit about Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, so, look, I guess I can get to Ozuna first. We, you know, he had a phenomenal 2020 for us. It was right there, and it was only 60 games, but he was right there in all the triple crown categories. His seasons with the Cardinals and the Marlins, this was a legit middle-of-the-order bat. Um, this is someone that clubhouse-wise was really paramount for us. So guys I really have great feel and I respect tremendously their opinions. Guys like Darren O'Day, Tyler Flowers, really good clubhouse guys that have been around a long time. They would tell me this guy is important to our clubhouse. He's a connector. That's the word that they would use between the Latino players and the American players, and he's a connector. And he's always been, and look, and even with the issues he had off the field, I talked to our players. They all wanted him back. They felt he was key. And even a guy like Pilar, um, you know, who had just joined our club, and obviously I had no well from the Toronto days. He said, you know what, I had no idea what to expect when I came in. And he's like, you know, when Marcelo Zuna got to 10 years of service, actually, Pilar made a speech on behalf of the team. They got him a nice uh, gift and so on. And Pilar actually was the one that spoke to the team on his behalf. And he told me, like, when he was struggling in the month of April, I thought, you know what, 
I'm going to get my shot here. I'm going to get a lot more playing time and so on. He's like, that guy did not change one bit. He was getting booed. He was hitting 080 or whatever it was. He worked his butt off every day. It didn't change his demeanor. He's on the top step cheering on his teammates. And this guy was an elite player, and he had a 900 OPS last September. He had an amazing spring training for us, and he was awful in the month of April. And I give our manager a ton of credit. I not once ever did I ever go to him and say, look, this guy's got two years on his contract at big dollars. I need you to play him. Um, you know, he's got the lineup card. I don't get involved in it. That's his card. His credit, he stuck with him because he believed in him. So um, I give our manager a ton of, ton of credit. Uh, the question you had about Bryce Elder, guy we took in the fifth round in the 2020 draft, um, we gave him over slot, probably more like a third-round pick. But I think, obviously, there's a lot of talk in the game about four-seamers uh, four up, up of the zone. And, look, a lot of teams are doing it, ours in, included, guys that can pitch at the top of the zone and balls at rise. And I think – to an extreme, guys that can sink the ball, we kind of don't appreciate them anymore. We don't value them anymore. And, you know, I think there's a there's an advantage to that, that some of these guys can slip through the cracks because they're not throwing 95-plus with 20 inches of vert on their heater, and they can throw a blood by you at the top of the zone. But those guys that can sink the ball and throw it over and throw strikes, they can go deep into games. They can log innings. I mean, there's yeah, they may not strike out seven, eight guys, but they're important over the course of six months and saving your bullpen and doing all, all, all those things. And there's certainly a spot for those guys. So, look, Bryce is going to have his moments. It's his first full season wire-to-wire at the big league level. He made the all-star team. Um, but, you know, some people are maybe not as excited about guys that sink the ball just because of – the ability to, you know, from a, a platoon standpoint, you get the left-handed bats against the righties and so on. But he's got a really he, – he could really spin the ball and he can negate that as well. Uh, but I still think there's real value to those guys in, in the game. And I think we've gotten so far away from those guys because everybody loves seeing power and top-of-the-zone heaters. Um, to me, those guys that could still truly sink the ball. And you know, he's not a guy that just sinks the ball. He sinks the ball with angle. He's a real high-slot guy. He's got downhill playing. And it's high slot sink, which I think is a special thing to find. And he's athletic. He's competitive. The work ethic is off off the charts. And he's a, a strike thrower. So um, he's had a great year. We're not entirely su- surprised. I didn't expect him to be an all-star. But we absolutely expected him to factor for us over, over the course of the year. Alex, really good to talk to yeah. you, my friend. Thanks so much again. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, keep it going. I called you guys to win the World Series, so the <laughs> yeah. pressure's on. He went out on a limb, Alex, right. to do that. So. Yeah, I went out on a limb. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Take care, Alex. Be See you well. later. All right. Yeah, that's Alex Anthopoulos, president of baseball operations and general manager of the Atlanta Braves. That's interesting about Bryce Elder because it's very true. Yeah. yeah it, when you played, didn't, didn't wasn't it the whole thing? Down and away, down and away, absolutely, down and away. Absolutely, when in doubt, go down and away. Exactly. That, that was the big thing. Now it's the uppercut swing. You're trying to stay away from that right now. It's the elevated fastball with some velocity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it changes. I, look, I think location with movement never goes away. Like, there, you you can never have a khaki talk that out of a pitcher or a pitching coach to say, if you have low late movement with location down and away consistently, good luck. Time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Mark Boffo, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Mark Boffo. Mm. What's going on, guys? All right. So, Jay's looking to avoid the sweep down at Rogers Center. 
Nathan Yavaldi against Kevin Gosman. Second Ooh. start with his new due, I believe. We're looking at the run total. Over under seven and a half runs is what it said at, at Bet Rivers. Is that for the Rangers or for the game? Oh. <laughs> uh, for the entire game, Jeff. Oh, for the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Over under seven and a half total runs scored for both the Rangers and Blue Jays. I, I ran down the numbers. The Jays numbers against uh, Nate Uvalde for you. Yeah, yeah. He's a guy they've hit hard. I'm, uh-huh. uh, I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over here. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be. I think Jays are going to win, and it's going to be. Yeah, it's hard I'm to taking sw- the over. It's hard to sweep a team on the road. It I'm really, taking the it, over. It though. really is. I'm taking the under. This is all about for me. Can Kevin Gosman keep the Rangers from scoring? It, it, this has nothing to do with the Blue Jays. Like offensively. Anything you've seen tell you that they can string together they, quality I'm going to tell you this. Not at bats. No, a no, quality no. swing in a big spot. I'm going to tell you this. Not me. I'm going to tell you this. Under. I got, I got, a, I got memories of these guys hitting Nate Uvalde hard. And yes, that that's you know, different guys this year. I get that. We've talked about their issues. I think Nathan Uvalde, Nathan Uvalde a guy that this team can hit hard. I think, the Rangers lineup, Kevin Gossman is great, but the Rangers lineup, that doesn't, that's not going to go away. That's not going to stop tonight, I don't think. Um, I, I think it's the over. I think it's going to, listen, I think this is going to be, this is, I think it's going to be the best game of the series. I think it's going to be a really, really, really good game. I'm frankly expecting the Jays to post up a bit here tonight. We'll see. I'm expecting them to post up a bit here tonight. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a hot take. I, I, I don't like what you see. It was a hot take. I, I, I like the. I like. I think. Go, I think Gosman will dominate, and the Blue Jays will win. Like a hot take, three to one. I'm saying, you burst my bubble. I tried. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. The Boston Red Sox fired their general manager. Mr. Passan has some thoughts on that. He's he got thoughts on a bunch of things. <laughs> uh, we will get to that. Uh, but uh, first, a reminder, as always, that it was uh, Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. See you in a few minutes.